Welcome to Alter Your Comics Presents. I'm Alex. I'm Laura. And I'm Jared. And this week we're going to talk about gifts, or gift-giving ideas, I should say. Things that we want to, that we would like to get, receive if we didn't already have ourselves, or like, hey, you need to read this. Here's a gift. Here's a great gift idea for you. Um, who wants to go first? No. I'll go first. All right. <laughs> <laughs> the hesitation says I'll go first. Uh, my first choice is not, it's kind of a cheat. It's not one item, but many items. And that is the little golden books. Uh, a lot of people remember them from back in the day there. They had like what Jack and Jack and Jill, what up the hill and three little pigs, all that fun stuff. Like the old nursery rhyme stuff. The Billy goats gruff is the one I remember. I did not remember that one at all, but sure. The scrawny tawny lion. Cool. Um, but they have in the last, I want to say, what, five, six years, uh, rebranded and remodeled their stuff instead of all the old, st- all, all of the old stuff. Now there's a whole bunch of new stuff, including Star Wars and, uh, superheroes and Marvel and DC and all sorts of awesome stuff. We have a full display rack on our front end of our store for it. And I'm like, oh, I wish, I kind of wish I had these when I was a kid because that would have been a lot better and more entertaining. Because, oh, there's a cartoon. Hey, there's a book of it also. Um, I know we've given them to different people that have had, that have pooped out babies and stuff. Because there's probably, what, five or six Spider-Man ones? So, I don't know. We probably own them, too. Yeah, I think that there's actually a collected edition, too, that's in a small box. That there's, like, three or four Spider-Mans altogether in that, too. Yeah. But, yeah, then there's the individuals you can buy as well. So, definitely check that out if you are interested in little golden books are interested in giving the little golden books uh it's a pretty good thing pretty cool thing all right so i bit the bit the bullet all right i'll go next and i'm tongue-tied so yes thank you all right i'm gonna go with uh why the last man volume one um this is written by brian k vaughn i think if you've listened to this podcast you'll know that i will recommend this every time uh, this would make a great gift to give to somebody um, it's a story about Yorick Brown. He is the only human survivor of a planet-wide plague that has uh, instantly killed every mammal possessing the Y chromosome. So, as the Y, the last man, he is the last man. His name starts with the letter Y. It's hard to pronounce for some people. And But uh, he is accompanied by a government agent, Agent 355, and a genetic scientist, uh, along with his pet monkey, who is also a male. And his name is Ampersand. Which is one of the best animal names. Uh, Yes. Like, oh, that's really obscure, but really cool. Yeah. And it's a great monkey name, (laughs) just as pets in general. But uh, he travels around the world in search of his girlfriend and to find answers about why he he is the last man on Earth. See if they can, you know, save humanity. So reverse engineer some sort of cure that he has, apparently. Yep. And it's soon to be a TV show on... FX, FX, I think. I think it's FX. And that's but I if it's still on unprodu- Who knows? Yeah. Like, that was before COVID, and then... Yeah. Plus Disney buying Fox, and, like, who knows where it's actually at production. But either way, that's one of my favorite stories. Well, that is my favorite story of all time, and that would make a great gift to get somebody else to enjoy it. Well, one thing that's really cool about that, too, is it used to be, what, 12 different volumes? Or uh, 10, 10, 10. Vo- 10 volumes. It was 10 volumes. But they have since then combined them into two vo- two volumes in one for roughly the same price as one volume. I want to say, right. they're, what, 30 bucks a volume, give or take? Probably. So. Uh, that might be the hardcover price. So for 12, 12 issues each volume. Ooh, we've got it. 
Or has it? Yeah, for our volume one, which... That should be issues looking... one through 12, probably. Yeah, it seems about right. And it is $20 on the back. 20 so bucks 20 bucks a piece. Six for each issues, volume. that's pretty good. Well, that's 20 bucks for 12. Yeah. Oh, for 12, that's, yeah. That would be volumes one and two of the original format together. So. Yeah, that's right. Because ours are kind of a mixed set of the volumes, right, which yeah. bothers me a little, but it was cheap. Right, yeah. We had the, <laughs> it was, we were missing volume one and two in trade, but we had three through 10 half off on clearance. So, like, well, in that case, we'll just get all those at clearance. And then, sure, we'll just buy this one separate. Who cares? Yeah. It's out of print, so we'll just go with that. Oh, yeah. I care a little, but not enough. How's that? Uh, yeah. I, mean, <laughs> yeah, I would have cared if they weren't on such a good deal. Like, oh, for that price? Yeah, okay. I, I'm willing to say I don't care. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but for 20 bucks, you get it. It's a pretty good-sized book. It's best story out there. Yeah. All right, Laura, what is first up for you? Um, One that I actually have given a number of times, although it's been a few years, in 2013, they kind of, I want to say rebooted Spider-Man, but what happened in the Superior Spider-Man arc um, and the, the trade of it collects issues one through five, uh, Dr. Octopus mind-swapped with Spider-Man. So it's a great jumping-on point for people who don't want to catch up on, you know, 60 years of Spider-Man history. It's It goes over a lot of what makes Spider-Man Spider-Man, why is he different, why does Octavius... Why is he not Spider-Man? And I really enjoy that. And, like, Spider-Man is still inside his own body and kind of, like, giving the Jiminy Cricket to Octavius the whole time. And they actually discover they can share each other's memories a little bit. So Spider-Man learns a lot more about Octavius and why he's how he is. And let's see, I wrote some other notes that seemed important at the time. Oh, one of the great parts of this story arc that I think could be like inspirational to other people is how Otto since he's reviewing Spider-Man's life he's also trying to like make it better make him superior and he discovers Spider-Man doesn't have his doctorate so he re-enrolls in school and so there's a whole bunch going on with that and the new people he meets and how that changes his lifestyle even more and he cuts off ties with some people that he normally would have made a bigger deal about and just Otto Octavius really streamlines Spider-Man's life and it's a, a good jumping on point. It's not as great now because this is seven years old, but it's still, I think it's still relevant. And it still has a lot of references in the current issues, so. Yeah, and I, I don't know, there's one part, slight spoiler alert, um, since then, when he had, like you said, he got his doctor and everything, but they got revoked because, hey, yeah. you're plagiarizing. You plagiarize Otto Octavius. He's like, but I am, or I was, and I just, that's not cool. And then just the Parker luck sets him back to standard non-doctorate Peter Parker. Yeah. Yeah, there was a big reset. Try to remember when that. I know it was when Spencer took over, but I forget how many years ago that's been. Uh, let's see, we just got to issue over 50, and there's usually two oh. issues a month. So... Two to three years? Give or take. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So been some of this has been, like, some of the main plot points in this have been revoked, but a lot of the characterizations are still true, so. Yeah, and, like, we still see some of the characters that were introduced in that, like, uh, Anna, Anna Maria Marconi is one yeah. of my favorite characters, and, like, in this it has her first appearances, so. I've given it out to at least two or three people, like, so when you suggested gift ideas, I was like, oh, things I've actually given. That, that's pretty easy, then. <laughs> All right, so I will go next with my second gift to give, and that is House of M, written by, I believe, Brian Michael Bendis. 
I'm pretty sure, double checking here. Yes, by Brian Michael Bendis. And this was probably, shoot, how many years ago was that when that came out? That was before Civil War, wasn't it? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. So, I mean, Civil War was 2007, so it was probably 2005, 2006 when this came out. Probably, yeah. Um, and re- well, the big reason why I want to pick it right now as a gift to give is because the new WandaVision show is coming out in January. So people are like, oh, what's this show about? Well, theoretically, there's going to be a lot of House of M stuff in that because it is her own dimension, it seems, sort of thing where she's with the vision with the whole, like, through each decade might be in each episode. I don't know how, we'll see how it comes out, but it definitely seems to be similar to House of M where Scarlet Witch goes crazy. She, uh, in the previous volume before this was Avengers Disassembled, where she lost control of her powers and went kind of crazy and killed Hawkeye and, oh, there were some other people she killed. I remember the big one being Hawkeye, though, and that's what she snapped and then made her own pocket universe where her and Vision were together, sort of, but she had twins and is all figment of her imagination, which end up spinning out of this young avengers where you find out oh she still is the mom but without a dad of billy and oh i forget the his brother his twin brother is but he's very similar to quicksilver so it's like oh a miniature version of scarlet witch miniature version of quicksilver and she just manifests them so that's pretty cool and i know the trailers for the show looks like she's holding twin babies so that makes me think okay even more possibly spin out of young avengers Here's the hope, at least. But House of M has her making... I think the biggest thing is she does. She has everyone's one truest wish come true. So, like, I forget. Uh, Peter's was to have a family. So it was like him and MJ were married and had a baby and whatever. Uh, Captain America never got frozen in time. He stayed in his own time. So now he's an old he man an old in this. He's an old man in that. That's right. Um, but the downfall of this was Wolverine. What is Wolverine's one true wish at that time? It was to remember who he was. He he never had all of his memory because of all the different uh, Weapon X program stuff. So if his one true wish is to remember everything, well, he'll remember that this is not the real dimension. And he starts waking people up also within that. And that's what is the downfall of that whole world. Because just because of him snapping everyone out of that. Because, oh, you'll remember everything. Here you go. Yeah, because Charles Xavier was dead. So he was using one of the other... Um... Mind people. Uh, I believe it was Emma Frost. Emma Frost. Because uh, uh, I know at the end, at the end of House of M, with the No More Mutants, it's Emma that's using um, Cerebro. To, okay. To sense yeah. the mutants. So I remember once they hit uh, Peter Parker with that, he went. He was very angry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, that's one thing you don't want is a mad Spider-Man after well, you. Well, <laughs> everybody was. Pretty, well, everyone was mad, mad, but they really focused on Spider-Man being losing. His whole family, because he know. he had everything. He had, he was living the life, and then it just came crashing down into actual reality. The Parker look. Yeah. So for me, I think that's it's always a good one to see. Oh, careful what you wish for, sort of thing. And careful you if just you, get it. Well, careful what you wish for everybody else too, because if you do have that temporarily paradise, well, it's gonna fall eventually. But again, the biggest reason for me was because of the new Wandavision show that's coming out in January. I figured well, this will be a pretty good one. If you don't know what the show is going to be about, this might be a hint towards that, I think. Well, the, kind of the rumors with Spider-Man 3, it could be a Spider-Verse. Uh, I would say, well, the Spider-Man 3 and the Doctor Strange multiverse 
yep. movies. Of I know Spider-Man 3, they're talking about Tobey Maguire was seen getting fitted recently for that, and uh, Doc Ock, that was in Spider-Man 2, was coming back. Yep. So I just saw that Charlie Cox from Daredevil is coming, possibly. Oh, I didn't be see there. that. that I, cool. I just saw a quick headline, and I think someone texted me about it the other day. So I thought that'd be pretty cool. So yeah, that's going to be but a yeah. massive movie. Yeah, so along with those lines, if we're doing uh, gifts that are going to tie in with media and stuff like that, Spider-Verse could be another one. Yeah. So, But that's not, <laughs> my, that's not my second pick. That one just popped in my head. Speaking of second <laughs> picks for you then, Jared, what All is right. your second pick? My second pick is going to be one that was from this year. Uh, Batman the Three Jokers hardcover is out. Um, this story focused on three different Jokers versus Batman and two of his protege that were basically Joker's biggest victims, Barbara Gordon, Batgirl, and Jason Todd Robin. Uh, Barbara Gordon was shot in the stomach during the Killing Joke story arc and paralyzed for many, many years. And Jason Todd was the Robin who was murdered by the Joker. Both are just doing fine now, you know. Comics. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> So this story had three versions of the Joker. One is the comedian, one's the gangster, and one's the clown. Kind of like... Uh, so comedian, criminal, and clown. Those no, are the criminal. Three I'm sorry, yes. Yep. But he definitely had a gangster feel yeah. to it. Yep. And uh, it's written by Jeff Johns, and he's just phenomenal in pretty much everything he does. Um, I might be biased because he's probably one of my favorite writers out there. But uh, the art is by Jason, am I pronouncing this, Fabak? I have no clue on no that. No clue? So. Good Might job. be butchering that. I, I'm, I'm going to go for it to say with confidence. Yeah, but uh, the art was fantastic. And when he did callbacks to, to uh, like uh, panels from The Killing Joke and others, it, it kind of took on that old style of uh, artwork and made it his own at the same time. He did really good. But this is a standalone story, and it delves into the history of both The Killing Joke and Death in the Family. Um, the ending, I love the ending. But, uh, yeah, this was a really good story. That would make a great gift for people who, anyone, who's looking for a standoffish Batman story. And Joker. And yeah, and Joker I mean, story. This is definitely, like, one of the books of this year is Three Jokers. It's the top, uh, top of the best books this year. All right, Laura, what is your second gift to give? Mine might also be a cheat because we decide that we're not 100% sure if Wind... Well, we know Wind does not have a trade-out yet, but I thought that it was advertised as due out soon. Originally then, it was, but COVID yeah. screwed up everything. See, I thought that we had gotten some of COVID figured out by the time that I saw this supposedly coming out in the next couple weeks. But regardless, like the single issues are still out, hopefully... I guess it might be a bad gift because you might not be able to actually get it from your comic shop. If you shop. do some digging, we can probably find it. But one good thing about wind and whenever you can get it, like maybe if you can't get it for Christmas, birthdays are coming soon too. Like buy people books just because you love them. And for the listeners, that's wind spelled W-Y-N-D. Oh yeah, sorry. But it's kind of an all ages book in my mind. Like I would be comfortable giving this to like my younger nieces who are around eight and I don't, yeah, there's nothing... In it, it might be slightly scary, but it's not, like, inappropriate or anything. Like, there's nothing super adult, and it's a fantasy world, and it's it's nice and kid-friendly. I would I say young adults, at least. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the bandaged man might give people a little bit of a spook, but, like, it's still that's bad. the bad guy. Yeah. Like, he's supposed to. But the main idea, the main character is named Wind, and he's realizing that he has 
magical powers and that he can't keep hiding them. And his adopted mother is noticing too, and she's working to kind of get him out of the city so that he's not found out. And I think they're killing uh, are they they're just... at least banishing. Yeah, there's okay. so there's supposed to be no magical beings. This is the last holdout for pure human humans and humanity there. If you have any amount of a magic it's kinda of like radiation, magic radiation on you, then yeah. you get exiled, sort of thing. Yeah, because it does seem like once he does leave town and does get exposed to more magic, he does he's accepting it more. So I think it's partly in his mind and partly like the exposure. Like right. he learns more about his powers and I almost want to call it coming of age, although I hate that phrase, but it's sort of... Uh... <laughs> it's fairly accurate, yeah. And the the trade or the first five issues, that arc just covers him being kind of chased out of the town and making some friends along the way, discovering that the prince of the town is kind of in the same boat. He's being exiled, not because he has magic, but because he can do something about the people with magic. And a lot of other higher-ups are trying to convince him not to do that like in there they're worried about the succession to the throne so they're kind of trying to throw the prince out so that they can get their way in the main ruling of the the town and so the the prince is in danger wind is in danger thorn i think was the other character's name uh, i think so i think thorn yeah, was the son of the gardener yeah and and slash that... boyfriend of the prince we think i don't know i never thought that it was the impression I that I was getting. Yeah, seemed, I get that impression, It seemed too. like they were in a relationship, and like that's why they were caring, making him escape, or helping him escape. Oh, see, I thought they were just best friends. I didn't think that they were... Okay. Because I know Wind was pining after Thorn, it seemed, to me at least. So it, it does seem like almost like a love triangle sort of thing, is what they're going with. Okay. Everyone will read it differently, so yeah. that can be interesting. <laughs> that's one I also am really excited. I would love to see this as one of our book club books, so... Definitely get a hold of this so that we can all talk about it. Like, buy this as a gift for yourself. and Treat yourself. Yeah, yeah treat yourself. And then we can talk about love triangles and things. Too. There we go. So. All right, and I will move on to my final of the gift for this holiday season. At least, for me, it was hard to narrow down to three. But I was like, all right, if I'm going to do down three, I'm going to do one for everybody, one for Marvel, one for DC. So this one is DC's version of Civil War, more or less. Uh, that is Injustice Gods Among Us. This was based off of a video game called Injustice Gods Among Us. And for me, the game was Mortal Kombat, but DC. But the book, the story is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is one of the few times that a originally a game or whatever other medium that was transformed into a comic book is better than the original material. This is written by Tom Taylor, which list, avid listeners will know. That's also one another one of our favorites of anything he writes at least anything he writes, I will read. Yeah, if his name's on it, I'll pick it up. I'm I would probably like it unless it's something just I don't care about, uh, like story wise. But chances are, it's at least good. And he wrote the first, I want to say three volumes of the year one, and then someone did the years four and five, and then he came back for Injustice: God Among Us Volume Two, um, or Season Two, I should say, because they they made a second game, so they need more story. And this has the, what if Batman and Superman actually legit go after each other fighting and there is no um, seeing of each other's ways. They had to come up with a way to do it so it made it... Irreparable. Yeah. And they really did it. They did. um, Slight spoiler, it's the first issue, so I'm not too worried about giving away, where Joker is getting bored with playing with with Batman, more or less. It's like, you know what? 
I'm getting bored with this. I need a bigger attention and a bigger audience to follow or to get my to watch me. So he goes after Superman. And how's he go after Superman? He goes after Lois. He Well, sort of. I mean, he he uses his he, so he well he still uses her yeah, to get he to does. him where she he uses was the um scarecrow gas. He uses the version of the scarecrow fear gas, fear gas and his own joker toxin. That's right. It was with the joker toxin on Superman. And he puts a heart monitor within Lois so he make, he sees or so Superman sees oh, yeah. Lois I forgot about as that. Doomsday and to defeat him she he takes him all the way up off the earth so he can stop so he can, uh suffocate in outer space but he suffocates at the right time to notice that she's dead and that she's actually her not doomsday so like oh what have i done but when her heart stops that also sets off a nuke in metropolis so not only does he kill lois his love the love of his life but he also kills metropolis his hometown that that's his pride and joy and kills lots of people and lois was pregnant and lois was pregnant on top of it so that that breaks Superman, where he no longer is like, all right, you know what? I know where truth dresses the American way. I'm above everybody else. No, this guy needs to die. So he goes down and kills Joker. Then Batman doesn't like that because that's our rule. Heroes don't kill. Superman kind of becomes a total... Totalitarian. Yeah. He becomes a dictator. I was going to say a total jerk. Yeah. <laughs> he becomes a dictator of Earth. Yeah. And he's like, you know what? I'm tired of this. Um... All you governments, whatever, don't matter. You're following me. And if you don't like it, too bad, because I'm Superman. Get over it. And, of course, Batman has his own little resistance. And they he he manages a way to go toe-to-toe with Superman. And it's just very good. Um, I always think of it as DC's version of Civil War. It is, yeah. The other superheroes, Wonder Woman, Flash, they all start to pick sides. Yeah. It's phenomenal. And they start to use villains that are, like, picking sides, too. Because some of the villains, like, you know what? Yeah, I can be reformed so I can become a dictator of Ohio, for example. Like, I may not have the world, but at least I have this, and I'm not dead because Superman is effing crazy and is murdering folk. So, sure, I'll side with him. And then there are villains that side with Batman. Like, you know what? We want to take over, but we we want to take over and stop Superman. So we'll team up with Batman just because. And it's very good. Highly recommend Injustice Gods Among Us. All right, Jared. All right, my final pick uh, is The Walking Dead Volume 1. If you're a fan of the show and have never read the comic, this is a, you know, starts with issue one and goes forward. Um, but it's a story of Rick Grimes, a sheriff deputy who is wounded in the line of duty, and he wakes up in a hospital f- uh, from a coma where the world is now plagued with the undead. Um, he goes through the hospital just kind of almost freaking out because he has no idea what's happening. So I would say he is freaking out. There's yeah. no almost about it. He's straight up freaking out. Yeah. But, I would uh, be too. Yeah, that's fair. He focuses on finding his wife and son, so he goes back to his house, which is just basically ransacked, destroyed. He's uh, making his way to Atlanta. It's been a while since I've read it, and I don't know why he chose to go to Atlanta. Uh, I think because he basically lived in a suburb. Could be. And I don't remember for I, sure. I want to say, uh, was there a there was some sort of note? Or yeah, something. message or I, something. Because Lori and Carl left. Yes. And they knew that he was in a coma. Yes. But they sent Shane to go back and get him. So I believe they left a note just in case wherever. And then Shane lied and yada yada yada. Yeah. But uh, 
the ending of the first volume was great. Um, has kind of pits Shane and Rick against each other, and Carl is there. Let's so say I won't you, give you spoilers. If you or anything. watch the show, Doesn't, the same thing happens, but in a way weirder order or different order. Sort of the a way different order. They fight each other. Yeah, but yeah, that's about it. So, uh, yeah, that's the first volume that starts the entire Walking Dead Every, saga. I mean, the giant that is, yeah, Walking Dead. I mean, how many volumes did they have of that? It was twenty. Twenty-seven, I want to say. I want to say the final one was twenty-seven. It was one hundred and ninety-three issues, something like that. Either yeah, one ninety-three or one ninety-eight on the number of issues. So just shy of two hundred, pretty much. But yeah, that was the best zombie story ever. And yeah, <laughs> that's. And if if you're a fan of the show and never read the books, you're wrong. Read the books. Yep. I mean, because you'll find a brand new appreciation, uh, a better story. And better story, yeah. And not so slow-paced. Not nearly as slow-paced as the show. Yeah, Walking Dead, the first 20 minutes of when he's going through the, the hospital, the book wraps up in two or three pages. And I get them setting the world for the show oh, to yeah. show the scale. Definitely. I understand that. It was just boring. Some things don't translate <laughs> as well. I mean, you think about it too. To draw hundreds or thousands or millions of zombies... After the first couple of rows, you can phone it in and like just draw outlines. Yeah. Versus a TV show, that's a lot of CGI. Oh yeah. And or you can makeup. Really, and you can really start to tell like, oh, there, this doesn't look quite the same. Yeah. So you can do a lot more in print than you can in television. Oh yeah. Yeah, and don't get me wrong, I, I, knocking on the show a little bit. I really like the show. Yeah. The show is very good. The final season's getting ready to start, uh, February, I believe. So, all right, Laura, what is your final gift to give? Okay, I think. And I'm going to go with Saga, even though we always talk about Saga. But it's by Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples. And the main reason why I feel like I need to recommend this, we call it Romeo and Juliet in Space, is that I have gifted it so many times that I don't even have Volume 1 anymore. Like, <laughs> that's a sign of a good gift in our house, is if I have Volume, like, 2 through 7 or 15 or something, and I don't have 1, I've probably given it away two or three times already. I might know what to get you for Christmas now. Yeah, we probably should, because I <laughs> keep wanting to, like, recommend it, and I want to flip through it, and I have Volume 3 in my hand right now. We, we might need two as well. I might okay. have given that to somebody also. So pretty much all of Saga is a good gift to give somebody, but obviously you want to start at the beginning, people. Um, and, like, Ms. Marvel, too. I have also given that away already. Don't have it anymore. There's some other one, too. You should write it on this for me so I can actually give you these. Well, there's a bookshelf upstairs, so well, yeah. <laughs> the ones that don't have a one in front of them. Those are the ones we need? Okay. Yeah. Or you can look at the store, and if I bought it two, three, four times, then I, I need might, another you one. You still might have it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I did a bad job of actually giving any synopsis of this, though, huh? I mean, really, um, there's it's it's hard R, um, Romeo and oh, Juliet yeah. in space, um, <laughs> and there's so much that happens in each issue. But it makes sense what what happens. There's so much that's really hard to explain without giving away massive spoilers. Yeah. There's a dude with a TV for a head. Yeah. Yeah, that one was. That's crazy. all you need to know. <laughs> Check well, that I mean, one you out. can know the the main family, Alana or Leda and Marco. Yeah, that's right. Um, I, I blanked on. Alana name. has wings. Marco has horns. So they actually call Moonies for his race, and I think flyers for hers, because her race can no his race can wield magic. So that's extra thing, like, oh, they can wield magic. That's kind of one reason why these warring races are against each other, because one can have magic and the other can fly. So. And there's a kid ghost that was... There's a babysitter. Yep. 
Um, you see some of the extended family that is very, I would say, LGBTQ friendly too. Um, oh, yeah, oh yeah, I think so. With everything, it's definitely not for super conservatives either. It's no, it is it's... liberal all the way through. Like, oh yeah, they have slight spoiler down the road, planet abortion. So you kind of want to like, yeah, it's it's a little left leaning, but it is what it is. It's a great story, though. It is a great story. Um, one honorable, honorable mention for this, I'm surprised you didn't mention, was Spider-Girl, the volumes. How many of those did you give away? Um, only two or three so far, but they've only released volumes one and two so okay. far, too. I was just surprised that, you didn't mention that. Yeah, but part of it is because they're not on my shelf anymore, so uh, I forgot okay. about them. That's I fair. meant to. Like, I, I get I get really flustered for these <laughs> this part of the segment <laughs> but yeah spider girl i always recommend like you have to give that to everybody all the time and now it's available in reprints and collected volumes so it's easier to do so all right so that will wrap up our gifts unless there's any last minute mentions that you thought of since then cool so yeah we'll go to our comic books of the week the week of december 9th 2020 uh and i will go first with my honorable mention for picks of the week with Scarant Hood number two. This is kind of a weird sci-fi one. That, I know we talked about the first issue when it first came out. Roughly about a month ago. But this one has. Is diving more into the mystery of. What is going on with this town. Specifically what is going on with this. School. And their magical stage that has kids disappearing randomly. And this one has. Before it was just the one. Guy that experienced the time hop. This one has his whole group of parents together that experience time hop where at one point in the in the book one person's phone oh my phone says it's 12 30 the other person that's like two feet away oh 1 30 the next person two feet away 2 30 what is going on we lost so much time but we didn't actually do anything and they're starting to experience the madness i guess of time skipping and not knowing what's going on with anything with all this and it was pretty weird uh but pretty cool because it's not a full-on in your face horror it's a it's more like a psychological horror thing and i i'm digging it so far yeah one thing i loved from this issue was how it's sort of about these parents and they keep dropping their kids off at the school and when the one guy refers to his child he goes we call him little chernobyl he was a massive accident and he's killing us slowly that was like my favorite line. In the yeah, <laughs> I knew there was. I was like, I know, I know it, but I don't. I couldn't remember the exact quotes, but I'm glad you wrote it down because, yeah, that was a great explanation for kids. Like, oh, I want to use that for people. Like, oh, you have a little Chernobyl. What? Well, you know. And depending on who you say that to, you might you might want to be careful who you mention that to. How how their sense of humor is. So yeah, that's, that's how I weed out friends. If I tell them a joke that I think is great and they don't, I'm like, mm, we're done. Bye. <laughs> Bye, Felicia. All right, Jared, what is your honorable mention? Or Laura, I guess it doesn't matter. We don't have to go in the same order as we did for the guests. But... I feel like you should go first. Okay. <laughs> uh, my honorable mention was Tales from the Dark Multiverse Flashpoint. Um, this is kind of a retelling of the whole Flashpoint story arc. It kind of picks up like partway through the Flashpoint story. It kind of gives the preamble on the first like page. And then it jumps in with uh, right where Thomas Wayne was going to electrocute him barry allen to get his flash powers back and it goes differently uh i thought this was a great story and a great way to showcase um reverse flash i was trying to think if it was zoom or reverse flash i think it was reverse flash they're more or less the same thing though yeah pretty much 
But uh, yeah, Reverse Flash has a big role in this, and I thought it was really good. So had a lot, it was a pretty fun read without giving any spoilers. Well, one thing with all the Tales from the Dark Multiverse, it's a darker, more grim version of a what if. Yeah. I mean, Marvel much. had their what if, they have their Tales of the Dark Multiverse. Oh, yeah. I don't know why they took so long to do their own versions of what if, but they've been cranking out like crazy this yeah. past year. And Well, I mean, I think it was, uh, what, 20 years ago, they were really focused on their Else Worlds and stuff yeah. like that, which weren't really what ifs or anything was, like that. Those were like the ultimate. They were really, yeah, they were really focused on that for a while. I love some of those stories, but... I think it these... works, works out great. They have enough events that they can just, all right, here's this event, here's this one. Yeah. They just do that. Now, I imagine, who knows, they might end up doing their own original what-ifs. Like, oh, what if uh, Damien was the first Robin sort of thing? Or right. who knows what. Yeah, but these uh, kind of retellings, and if you change one thing in that event, what happens? So it shows the butterfly effect of how yeah. it can really screw up everything. Yep. And I, I love those stories. Those have been really good. And this one was just as good as the rest of them. If you've enjoyed the other tales of the dark Mount diverse, this is a good one to pick up. All right, Laura, what is your honorable mention? I actually think I'm going to have a tie between venom number 31 and amazing Spider-Man last remains number 54. They were both similar in my mind it seemed like they were little recaps of what's been going on in those stories and venom it's because they're getting ready to really dive into this black king king and black king and black sorry um this story arc and so they actually had a character that i thought was dead i don't know maybe it's also a like skip back in time telling forward but this character rex strickland is sort of describing why he'd been working with Eddie in the past and different things that have been going on over the past year or so in the comics. And in Spider-Man, was kind of the same way. Uh, Kindred slash Harry. Hopefully that's not too big of a spoiler right now. And it's in the first page of the book, so yeah, you, you point, get there. Yeah. Kindred's identity has been revealed for over a month, so yeah, it's fine. Jared was even joking earlier, well, maybe it's all just a dream. Maybe it's not really Kindred and Harry after all, but we'll see if they retcon that again later. But anyway, so as Harry's, like, tormenting Peter, he's also describing why he's tormenting Peter and why he's going through all these things. And so it's, they're just some good recap issues. Honorable mention. And one thing with Amazing Spider-Man, it is a fast read. Like, it was very action, very little dialogue. I was like, oh, well, that. Okay, that that one's done, I guess. But it was important dialogue, I yes. felt like. Like, they weren't wasting space. The art was really good. Yeah, it's those been mirrors. really good here recently. Yeah. Yeah, I felt like they changed the mirrors to, like, reflections of what was going on, like recaps and In the cover. almost panels, yeah. This is one of my favorite Spider-Man covers, too. If you like cover art, man, this one nails it. Yeah, it's Spider-Man's face, and in his eyes, you can see the reflection of his hands doing some web shooting and swinging through New York. And it kind of goes in with the interior with the mirrors. It's a little like bit, weird yeah. a little bit, you know. Yep. But I, before, when I first saw that cover, I'm like, I want to pick that up just for the cover. Right. Yeah, it says the cover artists were Patrick Gleason and Edgar Delgado. Well, good job. They nailed it. All right, and I will go with my actual pick of the week then, which is Sword Number 1. This is within the X-Men world of comics right now, where... Uh, you know, there's S.H.I.E.L.D. for Earth, but S.W.O.R.D. is their space program that defends Earth from intergalactic shenanigans before it gets... They're supposed to stop stuff before it gets to Earth. So, like, oh, whenever Galactus actually gets to Earth and is attacking, S.W.O.R.D. failed. <laughs> it's their job to stop it before it gets to Earth. 
Um, but this one, basically the X-Men has taken over and is now in charge of the sword program where with their whole uh, Krakoa land and everything, like, all right, well, sure, we'll do this. And Abigail Brand is the head of it, which apparently she's a mutant. I forgot that and or didn't know she was. I don't know what her ability is, but she has green hair and has guns and shoots stuff. So I never heard her before this, so I didn't know she was. Yeah, I'm not sure who that is. She's been around for a while. She is, she is Sword's version of Nick Fury, more or less. And it has it starts with Magneto arriving on the space station like in a power play of, oh, you could have had a jet take you there, but you just flew yourself there with your magnet abilities like in a box. He's like, yeah. He's like, well, why? You could have teleported in or flown into the ship. Eh, it's good to remind yourself. It's good to, what do you say? Push yourself to your limit to, pr- to remind yourself that you do have limits. Like, just, oh, keep pushing yourself further and further so you keep getting better like no no you'll still you still have limitations but don't get too cocky but still flex a little bit weren't we discussing that he's like 90 years old and he's like we're like good for you you you're an elderly man and you're still making it yeah one of the characters (laughs) and the point is like oh don't i think it was cable's like "Ah, don't die on me up here like then i'll have to fill out paperwork or whatever and that was when you mentioned that like oh how old is he well he survived world war ii so let's say if he was roughly 10 in the concentration camps in around 1940, let's say, that's still pretty old right now. <laughs> that'd be 1940, that'd be 60, 80. 80. 80 years? Yeah, he'd be 80, 90 years. Yeah, if he was 10 in 1940, then he'd, he'd be, be 90. Yeah, 90 years. 90, 90 years old. But he's a mutant, and yeah. he ages Maybe he ages. Maybe he's like 60 or something. Right. <laughs> I, I, he's definitely an old man, though. He's not yeah. 60, or he's a, he's a, maybe like a Rob Lowe if he was, when he was 60. Like, uh, he's go. very fit 60. Um, but anyway, it follows him getting introduced to the whole new game, whole new operation and what's, who's defending the sword spaceship, which, hey, convenient they use him to tell us who they are also. Great pod device. Um, but I really enjoyed it. I subscribed to it even because like, I'm digging this team. I'm pulled. I'm interested to see what they do. I don't know how long Magneto's going to stick around up there, but we'll see. So yeah, that is sword number one. Who wants to go next for their pick of the week? All right. I'll finish mine off. Uh, mine, uh, pick of the week was dark Knights, death metal, the last stories of the DC universe. Um, this is kind of the prelude to the final battle of DC's death metal, and uh, the Batman Who Laughs story arc. Uh, really kind of basically the Batman Who Laughs has been destroying the 52 DC universes. There's like six left or something like that. I don't know. But uh, everyone's basically gathering on this the what main Earth and is going to launch their battle against him. So it has some great story arcs it kind of jumps around from story arc to story arc it starts with the teen titans and basically everyone who has ever been a titan is on the island gearing up we're getting ready for battles saying hello to each other you know stuff like that um it has a great story arc with um it was short but it was really good with uh green arrow black canario black canary black can- i like to see black canario also yes but uh <laughs> i think it should be a cereal canario. yeah black canarios the cereal there we go <laughs> But uh, they have a great interaction with one of the survivors from one of the destroyed uh, Earths. So Nightwing and Batgirl have some great interaction, and there's some funny spots with Batman, even. So I thought that was really good. Is it as good as the Bat-Tree, though? No, God, no. Nothing, <laughs> nothing will beat that. That 
that one won the year. <laughs> yeah. So it was almost sold to go get this, but if it's not as good as the battery. No, it, it wasn't. I, I will be honest. <laughs> this was good, but the battery was, you can't top that. If you don't know what we're talking about, you need to read The Joker War. That's what that Which was we in. already told you earlier. Yeah. What are you waiting for? <laughs> Trade. <laughs> so, but yeah, they're uh, getting ready to do battle and... This is the setup to the, I don't know if there's a final issue or if we're like on the final few issues. I really haven't been following it as closely as I should, but after reading this, I want to go back and read the rest of it and see what we're leading up to exactly. <laughs> so. Yeah, does DC do a checklist like Marvel does? So, you know. They have in the past. Um, or it might with, be in the back, the back page of the book. Yeah, it could sure. be. And if not, you can Google it. Somebody's got it up there. Yep. All right, Laura, what is your pick of the week? I almost feel like we need the drum roll, but I forget which button it is. You have a button. Oh, it's on the other channel, isn't it? Uh, no, the other one's a rim shot, not a drum oh. roll. Eh, close enough. I guess it's not funny enough, though. So I picked Homesick Pilots. I wish now that I'd written down who the artist was, because that was part of why I picked it. I thought it was kind of a pretty style of the story, and it had good colors and things. It was... It was a good issue, and it's a number one, so you're just diving in and getting introduced to all these characters. Um, Amida, Rip, and Buzz are members of a punk band, and it's called The Homesick Pilots, which is the name of the book. And they also introduce, there's kind of a rivalry with another punk band called The Nuclear Bastards, and The Nuclear Bastards have a, a gig in an abandoned bowling alley, and everyone's like so jealous. They're like, oh. We need to top this. And Amita says, well, there's this haunted house. Like, we should go to the cliche haunted house because that's what you do. So she goes to check out. It's called James House. And she doesn't come back. And so the uh, other members of her band, Rip and Buzz, go to check on her and see what's going on. And because the other band notices that they're going and they just want to cause trouble, they go too. And one of my favorite splash pages in the thing shows both sets of people. It's a cutaway of the house, and you can see both groups breaking into the house and snaking through and meeting each other. And the way their dialogue goes through is really neat. It's a, it's a good page, so buy this issue to see that setup. And yeah, then they're still trying to find her. I don't think they ever... Yeah, they do not find her, and that's part of like the... The cliffhanger. So you gotta read issue two to figure out what happened to Amita while she was in this house. Like, why can't they find her? And when they left and had odd things happen, what the heck? Why did that happen? So, go get Homesick Pilots. I kind of want to read that now. That sounds there pretty you go. good. Uh, you'll be in on Saturday. I will. I did my job. Yep. All got right. one sale out of them. So, now the part <laughs> that Jared always forgets. Oh, no. I didn't forget oh, didn't this, really time. this time. Nope, I remember. Heroes of the Week. I remembered and forgot multiple times. Nice. So here, well, I still is, don't have one picked. Who's your hero of the week? <laughs> be it comic book, comic book character or, or a real life person or whatever, just someone that's your hero of the week. Wow, I'm uh, gonna go with Batman. Okay, uh, because there was a scene in the Dark Knight Death Metal, the last series of the DC Universe. I can't give it away as a spoiler though, but I'm gonna choose him because it actually made me chuckle the way. He, he did something. That was not as good as the battery, but still pretty good. Though. Right. All right. Laura, do you know who you were here to be? 
<laughs> I could you buy who? you some time. It's funny because like I was thinking like three times like oh I know who it's gonna be oh I, nope. If you oh, guys I aren't who. ready, I could give the spoiler on why. Uh, I don't want to go that far okay. quite yet. <laughs> well, let's not go that far. We can edit a little bit. Um, I think we did pretty good most of the rest of this issue, or this episode. I think my hero of the week is going to be Magneto, because he is what 80, 90 years old, and still he was able to launch himself from Earth all the way up to uh, geosynchronous orbit space station, just because he wanted to flex his own ability. Like, yeah, I can still do that. So what up? Got to show those young whippersnappers what's up. And to make sure they stay off his lawn. That's right. But, yeah, I, I think that that's just really cool power play. Like, that's that's a boss move to do that. Like, you know what? No. I'll just fly myself. Yeah, we have an instant gate transmission thing. We could I could just teleport. But that's not what I'm about. So, yeah, I'm with Magneto. I think I'm going to go off the wall because your comment about get off my lawn made me think of Clint Eastwood. So I'm just going to just pick, thinking of yeah. him too. <laughs> yeah. I think I'll just go with Clint Eastwood because like who else can talk to a chair for like 10 minutes <laughs> and still come back and come off as a, a person you still trust a little bit? Like, I'm not sure what all that did to his reputation, but I just remember it happening. It happened. It... <laughs> hey, he's Clint Eastwood. He can do whatever he wants. Yeah. He was Josie Whale. I mean, I mean, within reason. But let's let's not dive too far. Oh yeah, that, that, <laughs> let's, let's not yeah. dive in too far with that. Not too crazy, but yeah. Well, what was the movie where he said, "Get off your lawn"? Um, I I don't know. I, all I, I can think of is uh, I don't even know if he actually ever said it. And there was Green Torino. Yeah, where I'm he's pretty like sure he sitting on his porch quite a bit, and the kids walk by and he's like, Ugh, you know, just grumbles I, at him. I thought he actually said it in that he, one, but that's that's it's the movie I am thinking of. I don't think I've actually ever seen a Clint was Clint Eastwood movie. Oh, watch the outlaw Josie Wales. Uh, and no it's, country, an old, it's an old western. And did he do No Country for Old Men? Wasn't that yeah, him also? I think the good, bad, and the ugly. You know what we need to watch? Oh, dirty. He called? did the Dirty Harry yeah. series. I don't think he did No Country with for Old Men. He, he was in he, Space Cowboys. It's like a buddy comedy with an ape. He, he oh, that's the one we should start with, Alex. <laughs> Oh, Charlie Jones was no country for old men. That's what that was on that one. My phone is on the floor, and I'm afraid I'm going to knock stuff down, or I'd go look up. Anyway. It's like Any Which Way But Loose? Yes. That's it, yeah. Any Which Way But Loose. He has this ape for some reason, like an orangutan, and yeah. So thanks thanks for listening, viewers (laughs) or listeners. Thanks for subscribing. Uh, Thanks for watching weird movies with us, apparently. If you want to talk more about Clint Eastwood, let us know. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Al, I know you're an avid listener. You'll probably hear this. You'll probably listen to this episode before you come in on Saturday. Jared's working this Saturday. You can talk to him about all the Clint Eastwood movies you want. There we go. Um, and I might come in for Pokemon stuff. It's yeah. Community Day this weekend. Yeah. So, uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for reviewing. Thanks for, thanks for giving gifts that are comic books. Merry Christmas, every. Uh, oh, I. One last thing, circle back to the beginning. One thing I forgot to mention for gift giving, board games. This is a great year for Ooh, board yeah. games. Uh, sure specifically is. Fast Track. That's been our one of our best sellers this year. You bought it yourself, Jared. Yep. Uh, so yeah, you should always give, give, if you're not giving comic books to someone, give them a board game. It's year of 2020. You're not allowed to go outside. So might as well stay inside and play games. So thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing. And we'll see you next year for our year in review. Next week. Next week, yes. Next week for the next year, for this year. Yes. Yeah. See you then, guys. We will have had done that. Yeah. Time travel, again. (laughs) 